0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. So, boldness, 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 boldness. I have a question for you. And it's a question that is a wee bit more profound than you might think it is. Because it gets right to the heart of who we are and how Jesus works through us. Or doesn't. So the question is this, what happens when you act in boldness? What happens when you act in boldness? We've sung earlier, nothing's going to hold me back. Is that going to be good news? Or is it going to be not good news? Because here's the thing. We can act in boldness and see God unable to move, not act, do nothing, zip, This is the encouraging part of the meeting. And we can act in boldness and we can see Jesus move in authority, in power. We can see people healed from physical sickness, from mental sickness, and all kinds of provision and stuff kicking off that is profound and long-lasting. So, there is boldness. And there is boldness. What happens when you are bold. So I am going to read now from Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It's the end of the first chapter of Mark. I'm going to read from verse 40, and it's all about a leper being healed by, healed by Jesus. So here we go. Oh, Uh, Generally speaking, I read from a different version that's on the screen. You may have heard me. I think it's fun. Gives you two opportunities if you can, you know, so enjoy it. Um, And um, yeah, enjoy the differences. On one occasion, a leper came to him, that's Jesus, fell to his knees and pleaded with Jesus. If you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus was immediately filled with compassion for the man. He reached out his hand Touched him and said, of course I want to heal you. Be cleansed. Immediately the man was completely healed of the leprosy. No trace of it was left. Jesus dismissed him but first warned him strictly, make sure you do not tell anyone what I have done for you. Instead go and show yourself to the priest to have your healing verified. Then go and make a sacrificial thank offering as Moses commanded, as a public testimony. But instead, the man went and told everyone he met of the wonderful healing he had received. Consequently, Jesus could not venture openly into any town. He would have been mobbed. Instead, he remained outside the populated areas, but still people came to him from everywhere. So, here we have Jesus healing the leper. And by the end of the event... Jesus has left the district unable to continue doing whatever he might have intended to do originally and we see that healed leper in his enthusiasm he goes out and he tells lots of people all about Jesus which can't be a bad thing can it because we do training courses now to help people learn about how to tell other people about Jesus and then Such was, if you like, his boldness and such was the effect of all those conversations he had that there were crowds of people that wanted to go and find Jesus. Which can't be a bad thing, can it? Because nowadays we work pretty hard sometimes to put on events, to draw crowds so that people can come and hear about Jesus. But Jesus left the district And if you read on, just two verses, two days later, he ended up in Capernaum. And interestingly, when he arrived in Capernaum, there were huge crowds. In fact, he went into somebody's home where he was speaking and teaching and doing stuff. And there was no room, so people were spilling out into all the area around him. And there were some guys, some four guys who had a mate who was paralyzed, and they so wanted their friend to, to meet Jesus and be healed, that they climbed up on the roof, ripped off the mud roof and lowered him down until he could meet Jesus and Jesus healed him. So crowds weren't a problem to Jesus. In fact, you yeah, know another example wasn't there of 5,000 people in a field somewhere got late and they were hungry. Jesus took a, a basket with five loaves and two fish and miraculously fed all 5,000. So crowds weren't a problem to Jesus but he'd left the district and he'd gone because the healed leper didn't do the one thing that Jesus had asked him to do. So for whatever reason, the healed leper did what he felt made sense to him. He did what he felt was right. He did what he felt was sensible. But it resulted in Jesus leaving the territory and going somewhere else now I am going to read from the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 1 to 22 are you ready and the context is this Peter and John two of the followers of Jesus have just prayed for a man who is well known to the local community because he's a cripple he can't walk And he's been at the same spot begging for many, many years. And Peter and John have prayed for him, and he's been healed. And he is undoubtedly enjoying the freedom of his new legs, because he is tearing around the place, and he is telling everybody that he's healed. I won't do a dance to demonstrate. It would be horribly embarrassing. But he was doing all kinds of stuff, and nobody could ignore the fact that this guy had been healed. So here we go. While Peter and John were addressing the people, some priests and Sadducees, so religious guys at the time, together with the captain of the temple guard, approached them. They were extremely disturbed because the apostles were teaching that through Jesus the dead are definitely resurrected. They arrested Peter and John and because it was late in the day, they had them thrown in prison overnight. Despite this, Many who had heard their message became believers and their number grew to about 5,000 men. On the following day, the rulers, elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was present, as were Caiaphas, John, Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They ordered Peter and John to be brought before them and demanded to know by what power and in whose name did you heal that man? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, remember that, my emphasis added, filled with the Holy Spirit, replied, Rulers and elders, if the people, ruler, sorry, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being charged because of an act of mercy shown to a cripple and you want to know how he was healed, then you and all the people of Israel need to understand this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucify but whom God raised from the dead, that this man can stand before you, completely healed. He is the one referred to in the scripture that says the stone rejected by you builders has become the cornerstone on which the whole building depends. No one else can provide salvation. Through his name alone is it possible for people to be saved. When they saw the boldness and authority with which Peter and John spoke, although they knew them to be ordinary men who had received no theological training, they realized that they were followers of Jesus. But there was nothing they could say because the man was standing before them clearly healed. So they ordered them out of the council chamber while they conferred together. They discussed together, what are we going to do with with these men? Everyone in Jerusalem is well aware that they have performed an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny this. However, we must stop them spreading their teaching any further by warning them not to speak to anyone in this name. So they called Peter and John before them and ordered them not to speak or teach again in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John responded, you can judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's eyes for us to obey you rather than to obey him. We cannot remain silent, but must speak about what we have seen and heard. The council threatened them further before releasing them. They could not agree on any suitable form of punishment, because all the people were praising God for the wonderful miracle that had happened, for the man who had been a cripple was over 40 years old. Good news for those of us who are over 40 years old. So... We have Peter and John receiving the Holy Spirit, praying in the name of Jesus, 5,000 men, even when that gets them into coming to know Jesus, even though that gets them into a whole heap of trouble and they get slung in prison overnight, actually God protects them, gives them the words to speak, they speak with boldness and it goes on. So we have this boldness that kind of leads to nothing and we have this boldness that can lead to Jesus moving in extraordinary power and authority. So again, what will happen when you act in boldness? So, if it's okay with you, I would now like to introduce you to yourselves. Is that okay? Some of you may be more comfortable than this than others, but I'm going to introduce you to yourselves. You see, when you and I were born in the natural, we were born of a mother and a father, we were born... with a soul. We were born with a soul. Jesus, too, born of Mary, was born with a soul. Jesus was both man and God. He was born with a soul. And your soul has three parts to it. So I'm just gonna put your soul down here, very gently. And I'm gonna talk to you about the three elements of your soul. The first element is, you have a mind. You have a mind. I think you know that. Those close to you will know it too. You have a mind. This is your ability to think in the natural, to reason, to stay in the rational, It's logical or it isn't. It makes sense to me or it doesn't. I understand or I don't. And many people in this world in which we live spend a long time wrestling with subjects that they understand or don't, or they can't accept or they do accept. But you have a mind, and it's where you operate in the rational. Very good. There we are. Secondly, You have emotion. You do have emotion. You do. Good. (laughs) You have emotion. How you feel. This feels good to me. This doesn't feel good to me. I'm passionate about this. I'm less passionate about that. It's your feelings. They reveal things, don't they? And they can be powerful forces in your life, your emotions. So, you have your mind. You have your emotions, and you also have. Dun, 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 dun. You have a will, your ability to make decisions. As I said this morning, you know, some of you may well have a willful child. You may have been a willful child. You love your willful children. We love people that do things through the force of their will. They achieve extraordinary things. They can be a bit of a handful too on occasions. But you have a will. And very often, your will is actually a whole combination of your mind and your emotion at work together. Most of us, the clever psychologist will tell you that actually, most of the time, you don't know why you do what you do. It's just if somebody asks you, You post-rationalize and give them a good reason that you think they might like. But most of us don't know why, what we do. We do what we do. So here we have soul, mind, emotion, and will. Now here's the thing. As I said, Jesus had a soul. But Jesus never, ever made a single soul-led decision in his life. Not one. Let me say that again. Jesus... Never ever made a soul led decision in his life. Because God is a spiritual being. And God operates in the Spirit. As does Jesus. He is both man and God. Spirit speaks to Spirit. We know that Jesus prayed, Your will be done. on earth as it is in heaven Jesus only ever said what he heard his father tell him to say Jesus only ever did what he knew his father wanted him to do spirit speaks to spirit spirit does not speak to soul important stuff your head may be spinning you have plenty of time to think about this in the days ahead Spirit does not speak to soul. Now, when we were born in the natural, we were also born with a spirit. But our spirit remains dormant until the moment when we say yes to Jesus, when we accept God in our lives. And at that point, our spirit comes alive. So you see, I also want to talk to you about your spirit. You have a spirit life. And I will leave your spirit life gently down here. You have a spirit life. As I said, spirit talks to spirit. It doesn't speak to soul. You also have three elements to your spirit life. Let's have a look at what they are. The first is you have Jesus Christ who lives in you. Let me read what Paul said. This is one verse from Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. This is Paul speaking. I, he says, have been crucified together with Christ. The person I was no longer lives, but Christ now lives in me. The life I live in my body, I live by faith in God's Son. God's Son is Jesus Christ I have been crucified and so have you I have been crucified with Christ the person I was no longer lives it is Christ who lives in me the first element of your spirit life as you accept Jesus is Jesus Christ himself so as I say at that moment whatever words you used Whatever terminology you use, just say, I get it. Jesus, you're not just a figure of history, you're a real person, you're alive. You want to have a relationship with me, I'm in. Whatever words you did, you said, whatever you did it, Jesus Christ comes into your life. The first part of your spirit life. The second part is the kingdom of God. Now, what on earth do I mean by the kingdom of God? I will just rest the kingdom there gently. If you read a lot of the Gospels in the New Testament, particularly if you read Luke, Luke records a lot of times when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. There are lots of examples. You can read them for yourselves. But just one element of this I just want to touch on because Jesus often said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed a tiny little seed that then grows into something extraordinary he talked about the sower who sowed the seed now the thing is about a seed however small it is a seed has everything in it that is required nothing is missing the seed has everything and then as it is nurtured it grows it grows into the thing it was always intended to be that is the case with the kingdom of God. When your spirit, in your spirit, is the seed. is the seed as Jesus talked about it. And as you walk with Jesus, as you get to know him, more of the kingdom of God will grow in your life. And we have, we have a word for that. For those people that kind of understand the jargon of the church... We call it discipleship, following Jesus. When you first get to know Jesus, everything in the kingdom of God and Jesus is new. So we take small steps, infant steps. But as that seed grows, as we get used, as people have come and given testimony, when people say, I heard God, God said this, God said I should do that. Is that just weird? Or is that the seed of the kingdom of God that's in you It's growing and growing and more and more of the kingdom of God is available to you. So you have Jesus Christ. You have the kingdom of God. The third element, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Let me leave the Holy Spirit down there. The Holy Spirit. I said spirit talks to spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit connects with the spirit in you. And that is our communication with heaven. We are able to receive what God has got for us in heaven, here on earth, through the Holy Spirit. So here is our spirit life. And here is our soul life. The comforting thing about this is, what I know to be true, is that I am not the answer to anybody's problem and nor are you, because that would be me over here in my soul life. Believe me when I tell you, you do not need any of my soul life. Ask Jane, she has to live with it. My spirit life, your spirit life. When Peter and John had prayed for that cripple, when they were faced by the authorities trying to imprison them and trap them. They spoke clearly. The Holy Spirit gave them guidance. They spoke with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you, go, if you were to go to the last chapter the last few lines of the book of Matthew where Jesus has been crucified he's been raised from the dead he's about to ascend into heaven and he is with some of his disciples and he talks about that he sends them on this sort of great commission he tells them I will be with you till the end of the age it's words spoken for us too and he says you will do mighty things in my name because all authority has been given to not you, okay? Not you and not me. Because he says, all, oh, it's Jesus speaking, all authority has been given to me. We can only act in boldness if it's not us, but it is if it is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ operating in the Spirit. Because Spirit speaks to Spirit. There are times when because we desperately want something, because it might look logical to us, we think we're hearing God. But are we? Because if we act in boldness out of our soul life, there will be nothing significant that happens. People can put a lot of effort into creating things. A lot of effort. You can do a lot of stuff. This is where the fruit comes from. So what does that look like? Well, I'll put it this way to finish. If your journey of faith leads you to pray, Lord, help me, amber light going off. It's okay, it's a natural thing. If your journey of faith leads you to pray five critical words, Jesus, Not I, but you. Not I, but you. We pray as we see things in the Spirit that have not yet been seen here on earth, we pray in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to call those things down from heaven and to see them become real on earth. That is our step of faith. Is it logical? No. Is it emotional? No. Is it going to happen because I really want it to happen? No. I have to hand over. So what does that look like? Jane and I have a daughter, Katie, some of you know her. She's finished her full-time education and she needs a job. So she's doing sensible things. She's applying for jobs, she's doing lots of covering letters, she's doing CV, she's doing lots of job applications. In fact, I think if Jane has to to read another covering letter, she's probably going to go and do the interview herself. and and people are being really nice to her she's getting interviews they say we'd really like to see you here working here and then they give the job to somebody else and there are tears and it's hard and she doesn't yet have a job so i pray because i'm you know on a good day you know i'm half a good dad so i pray lord give her a job and then i feel something god is very practical I feel a jab in my ribs, and it's Jay in my side. (laughs) Really, Guy? Do you know nothing? And of course, I'm thinking, we've been here before. Okay, what am I doing wrong? Guy, you pray as if Jesus doesn't know that Katie needs a job. When did God first start talking about work? Well, it's probably the book of Genesis, kind of the first book in the Bible. And yeah, throughout much of the Old Testament, Daniel was a good one, and there's loads of stuff in the New Testament. Do you think that God knows that Katie needs a job? Yes, I think I know that God knows that Katie needs a job. What does God say for you to do with your worries and anxieties, Guy? Well, to leave them with Jesus. Leave them with him. Give them to him. Yeah. And and what does God say about provision? About meeting your needs? Meeting Katie's needs? Well, yeah. Look at the provision I make for the animals and the birds. And how much more do I love you guys? And I will provide. And there's a scripture in Philippians that says, My God will provide for you in every way. So... I need to learn to pray in the spirit for what God has promised in heaven which is not yet seen here and I need to give thanks for that and I need to pray that actually Jesus through the Holy Spirit will reveal to Katie that which he wants her to say and that that he wants her to do in order to get her from where she is to the job he's already got for her. That is my prayer of faith, which is Jesus, not me, not me. Because I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Jesus who lives in me. Lord, not me, but you. That's how we hear from Jesus and we operate in his will. Let's stand. And I'm just going to pray. that whatever bit of this is good for you, relevant for you, come on guys you can come up, you'll just take this and Jesus will help you really sow this in to the way you live. It's the way we live every day, every day, every day. So Father I thank you. I thank you that we have the opportunity to meet, to reflect to think about your word, to think about how you made us, to think about your design, that you gave us a soul, but you also planted in us a spirit life, and it's the spirit, Father, your Holy Spirit, that wants to speak to us. My prayer, my heart, Lord, is that every one of us here will receive from you, not just now, but later today, in the days ahead, my prayer, is that the Lord Jesus Christ will speak into your hearts through the Holy Spirit that more of the kingdom more of his will his will for your lives in your context right now will be revealed and you'll just take the next step each of us will be able to take the next step in learning how to take that seed and know what God's got for us next come Lord Jesus Come, Lord Jesus, as we worship. Do your work individually, specifically in each one of us, we pray. And if you're ever wondering how long to pray, to see the things in the Spirit that have been given, but are not yet seen on earth, as somebody once said, pray until. Pray until it is done. Pray until. God bless you. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk